Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> My name is David Kesterson. I'm one of the elders here at River Oaks, and uh, I'd just like to welcome you this morning. Um, as we get started, uh, the text we'll be looking through today is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 6 through 8a. Um, my Bible doesn't have A and B in it, so I picked where that was for my convenience. Um, so, <laughs> so as you go through, you may not want to write A and B in yours because it may be different for somebody else. But um, This morning as we get started, I just wanted uh, us to remember back a few months ago. Um, if you had an opportunity to watch Nick Walenda... He is a tightrope walker of the Great Walendas. Um, just a couple of months ago, he walked across a volcano in Nicaragua on a tightrope. Uh, this is something that had never been done before. Um, it, was, uh, it is a live volcano. Uh, really uh, an interesting thing. I watched it. It was, uh, really kind of piqued my curiosity uh, why you would do this, but... Um, as, as he did this, uh, some things he had to deal with were toxic gases, so he wore a gas mask, um, also the incredible heat, uh, and the, the winds were unpredictable. So we might wonder, how does somebody, how do you train for this? How do you prepare for something like this? Well, I'd, I'd read an interview that um, Nick uh, had given, and he said that uh, he trained in his backyard, uh, he strung a tightrope across his backyard, and he brought out some smoke machines and some fans. And, and I thought to myself, that's, uh, I'm not sure that's how I would train to walk across a volcano, but, but that's what he did. But then he said, really, he said uh, that was part of his training, but the main part of his training was he spent six years researching volcanoes. He wanted to know everything he could know about them. So he knew how they acted, how they might react at different times, what the winds would be like, um, what temperature, how high would he have to be to be at a temperature he could actually survive walking across. He spent all this time gathering knowledge about the truth of volcanoes. And for him, this was incredibly important because just walking across a tightrope in your backyard may not get you across a volcano, but knowing what you need to know about getting across a volcano by researching a volcano will get you there. And Nick Willenda did cross. Um, he walked 1,800 feet on a tightrope across this live volcano. Uh, he did it in 31 minutes. Um, that's, it's an amazing feat. Uh, it's interesting to watch. But the thing that I want you to think about is this is not something that could be taken lightly. This is something that he had to gather a lot of knowledge of volcanoes to be able to do this so he could keep focused on that tightrope and walk to the other side. We see that Nick Willenda's knowledge of volcanoes was essential for him to stay focused to cross the volcano. And this, for us, might make us think, do we ever think about why the Christian needs to have knowledge of the truth to stay focused on Christ and not be led astray? 
Let us pray this morning. Father, as we come to you, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will guide us as we look at your word this morning. I pray, Lord, that we would leave here different than we came because of your Holy Spirit and because of your word. I pray that we would grow in ways that glory and honor you, Lord. So, as I said earlier, today we'll be in Ephesians 5, uh, 6 through 8a. But I'm going to start reading in uh, verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore, be imitators of God as, as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. This will be the section of verses we're going to be looking at today. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not partner with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. <clears throat> so, as we start today studying through this, let us remember that Paul is writing this from prison. He's writing to a church that he had spent approximately three years with. And that even before he had written this letter, while he was there in person in Ephesus, he had warned these believers that fierce wolves would come among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw the disciples after them. We read this in Acts 20, 29 through 30. So his mandate to let no one deceive you with empty words shows just how important it is for the church as he warns again and again, don't be deceived. Paul emphasizes this point by saying that it is sexual immorality, covetousness, and crude joking that brings the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience. <clears throat> the, through eternal punishment in hell, Paul then commands these believers to not become partakers of the ungodly acts with these unbelievers. Paul throughout chapter 4 has emphasized that they must have knowledge of the truth to remind them that they are no longer darkness, but they are now in Christ and they are now light. They have become new creations in Christ. As we consider these verses today, we'll look at three reasons 
The Christian needs to have knowledge of the truth to keep their focus on Christ. Our first reason will be having knowledge of the truth keeps you from being deceived. Our second reason is having knowledge of the truth will keep will help you understand the dangers of partnering with an unbeliever. And our third reason is having knowledge of the truth will help you see that you are now light because you are in Christ. So let's go to our first reason. Having knowledge of the truth keeps you from being deceived. In verse 6, Paul says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon you, comes upon the sons of disobedience. Paul knows that there will be unbelievers calling themselves Christians for the purpose of bringing false teaching. This appears to be what he is addressing in this section. As we remember back to last week when Mitchell addressed sexual immorality, covetousness, and foolish talk, we see that Paul said people that practice these things have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Paul is continuing this thought that those who taught that it was okay for the Christian to partake in sexual morality, sexual immorality, covetousness, and foolish talk are the ones that are trying to deceive these Ephesians now with empty words. And these words are empty because they are lies. Paul goes on that those that teach or partake in such things have already aroused God's anger. At this point, Paul calls them the sons of disobedience, who in chapter 2, he said, belong to the prince of the power of the air. This is Satan. The sons of disobedience belong to Satan. So Paul is warning the Ephesians that these false teachers are coming, and as He has already encouraged these believers in chapter 4 that the truth is in Jesus. Put off your old self. They would have seen the way to protect themselves against this false teachers. And this way would be by knowing the truth. It's kind of like this. Have you ever received a phone call from someone saying that they are the IRS? And that you need to pay $5,000 right now? If you haven't received this phone call, uh, they are going around. You probably will receive it at some point. I just saw on the news the other night that uh, this has started up again. And these people are calling, demanding money. And if you argue, if you question why they're calling you, uh, they say that they're going to start a lawsuit against you. And so... If you don't know any better, you think that this is the IRS. So it's easy to be deceived. How could you go through this and not be deceived? You can actually go to the IRS's website. Uh, On there, it tells you the way we contact you. And it's by mail. They will send you a letter first. Now, after correspondence have started, they may call you. But it will not be just a call out of nowhere. They will send you a letter first. 
But if you don't know that, if you don't know that truth about the IRS, how easily would it for you, be for you to be deceived? Many people have been, many people have paid this money thinking that somehow they owed it, and yet they have lost their money for no reason to a scammer. But if they would have only known the truth. So in a similar way, Christians can protect themselves from being deceived by false teachers. Paul started chapter 5 with, be imitators of God. How do you become an imitator of God? It is by spending time in the Bible, reading and studying. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul wrote that they should all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood so that they would no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried away by every wind of doctrine. Additionally, Paul tells Timothy in his second letter to him that there will be evil people and impostors that will go on from bad to worse deceiving. So continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, for you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It continues, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In both of these sections of scripture, we can see the importance of protecting ourselves from being, from being deceived by knowing the truth. Knowing the truth starts with reading the Bible and studying it. This can be done alone or in a group. One way that we encourage here at River Oaks is within a growth group. If you're not in a growth group, let me encourage you to join one of our growth groups. Uh, one of the most important things about a growth group is we study Scripture there. But not only are we studying Scripture, but we hold each other accountable. And as we grow together in the knowledge of the truth, we help each other to not be deceived. So not only will knowing the Bible keep you from being deceived, but as we go to our second reason... We see that having knowledge of the truth will help you understand the dangers of partnering with an unbeliever. Paul in verse 7 says, Therefore do not become partners with them. So as we look at this, I think it's important to identify them and then to also look at what Paul means by partner. First, as we look at them... This is referring to the sons of disobedience that he has spoken of earlier. They were unbelievers, though they may have claimed to be Christians and they may have even gone to church with the Ephesian believers. But there is a stark difference between them and the true Christian. These are people that are trying to lead others to a lifestyle of sin. 
They are calling things that are forbidden for Christians to be freedoms in Christ. These were people that the wrath of God was on even as Paul wrote. And their future would be spent in hell with God's wrath being poured out on them for all eternity. Next, as we look at the word partner, your version of the Bible may read partaker. Uh, In either way, I think it's helpful to, to think of both words in this. To understand that what Paul is saying is that the Ephesian Christians should not partner or partake in the evil deeds that the sons of disobedience are promoting. This would be because the Ephesian, Ephesian Christians were different at the core. This would be because the Ephesian Christians were guided by the Spirit of God and should be seeking to live righteous lives that bring glory to God. So Paul's point is that Christians need to know the truth that they have a core difference from the unbeliever. They are children of God and the unbeliever is God's enemy. And because of this, they should not partner with unbelievers in their sin. In a similar way, in 1999, NASA teamed up with Lockheed Martin to build a $125 million orbiter. They were going to send this uh, to Mars, to fly around Mars, to gather information about Mars. Everything seemed to be going well. They had worked on this project together for quite a a while. Uh, Though there was one core difference between NASA and Lockheed Martin. This difference would have been very hard to see from the outside, uh, but it was truly a major difference at the core. The difference was the system that each used for measurements. NASA used the metric system, while Lockheed Martin used an antiquated English system. They thought that this would not be a problem until after the orbiter had taken off. At what time they realized that the ground control could not communicate with the the orbiter. The navigational coordinates that the orbiter needed to fly in the right direction were in different measurements. So needless to say, the orbiter just kind of took off and they have not found it yet. Um, So, uh, because of this core difference, though, $125 million put into this orbiter is now somewhere lost in space. Similarly, Paul's point for us is that Christians need knowledge of the truth to understand the dangers that come from partnering with someone that has a core difference. One of the major dangers for the Christian is if they were to partake in the sins of the sons of disobedience, it would be like mocking the sacrifice Christ made in order to take away sin. Also, 
Studying the Bible will give the Christian more knowledge of the dangers in the same area, such as Proverbs 1, 10 through 15, that says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. But then Solomon pleads, My son, do not walk in this way with them. Hold back your foot from their path, for their feet run to evil. Additionally, we see in Proverbs 13.20 that whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. And Paul gives similar wisdom to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.22 when he says, do not, be hasty to, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. These passages would give the Christian the knowledge of the truth to inform them of the dangers of partnering with unbelievers in their sin. And then, our third reason. Having knowledge of the truth will help you see that you are now light because you are in Christ Jesus. In verse 8, we read, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. In, this first part of, in the first part of this section, Paul is reminding these Ephesian Christians where they came from as unbelievers. He makes it clear that they were not just in darkness, but that they were darkness. This follows with what he said in chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that you were at... One time, at that time, separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. These Ephesian believers were at one time people that followed the way of the world. And in Ephesus, this would have meant that they partook in sexual immorality, covetousness, and foolish talk, but not anymore. Paul breaks in within this sentence and says, but now you are light in the Lord. This contrast cannot be stronger. These Ephesian believers are now light. They have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of this, they know that they are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Ephesians 3.6 It was knowing the truth of where these Ephesian Christians stood before God that helped them understand that they are now light. It is the same for us. When we have biblical knowledge of God's truth, we understand better what it means that we are light in the Lord. 
Imagine, if you will, that one morning you wake up and everything seems normal. You have your cup of coffee, you glance at your phone to check to see if anybody's emailed or texted you overnight. You get to work and everything appears as normal as it can be for you at work. Then on your way home, you start to think about the church service that you went to last weekend. You had not been to church for many years, but that time was different. It made you want to give your life to this Jesus that you heard talked about. And you were thinking, maybe even looking forward to that evening reading the Bible when you got home. This is something that you hadn't done before. As you walk in your, ha- in your house, you turn on the TV, and there is a sitcom on you have watched for many years. You don't really think much about it. You don't think about what they're talking about until the main character makes a sexually immoral statement. Your attention is drawn to the TV. You think, have they always talked like this on the show? I don't remember ever hearing anything like this before. And it's at that point you realize that the show has not changed. You have. You are no longer darkness that you have become light. This is not just a made-up story. This is a, a chapter from my life. I remember plainly the day that I came home and I turned on a TV show that I had watched for years. And I was so struck that I had never noticed before how terrible it was. And it was then that I realized I am no longer in darkness. I am no longer darkness, but I am light. This is also what Paul is telling these Ephesians has happened to them. They are not who they once were. He has been telling them throughout Ephesians 4 to gain knowledge in the Lord so they can grow to mature manhood. It is interesting that Paul does not say that just gaining knowledge of your situation will help you, but it is knowledge in the Lord which is knowledge of the truth. Additionally, Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have light of life. This points to someone that is following Jesus. And the only way for us to follow Jesus is to study his word. We We have no other way to know Jesus, nor to follow him. Further, in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, Paul says, 
For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God has opened believers to Himself, and He can and we can know Him more deeply by reading and studying His Word. This knowledge of the truth will help you understand that you are no longer darkness, but you are light. We cannot forget how important it is for the Christian to know that they belong to God and they are no longer darkness, but they are now light. This reality will grow in you as you read and study the Bible. So make it a point to read God's Word to yourself daily. Also, take advantage of a growth group. This is a great way for you to continue to grow and study the Bible. And this will help you grow in the knowledge of truth. As we conclude, let us remember that as... uh, that knowledge of the truth will help you see that you are light in the Lord. In conclusion, we must not forget that the Lord has given us salvation and that there are many temptations in this world that come from the sons of disobedience. Because of this, we must have knowledge of the truth. And that comes from God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit to give us strength. This strength is not just to fight against temptation, but it is to remind us that we are in Christ. It will strengthen us as we consider who we partner with and will give us wisdom so we are not deceived. Do not forget that it is God's Word that tells us that we are no longer darkness, but now We are light in the Lord. I would like to encourage each of you today to take action from what you have heard. If you are not in growth group, please find one that fits in your schedule. Also, find time that works for you to read God's Word daily. I don't want you to think that this means that you have to read multiple chapters a day or... um, Maybe you have uh, attempted to read the Bible in a year uh, and you're, you know, like a lot of us, you get to uh, Genesis, maybe we make it to chapter 2 and then our weeks go crazy and it falls back. Read a few verses a day. Work your way through a book of the Bible. You don't have to read the whole thing, the whole book that you're reading through at once. You don't have to read the whole Bible at once. Just spend time in it daily. This will help you. It will grow you. Also, study what you're reading. You can use a uh, study Bible. Uh, You can pick up a little commentary or something to read along with your daily reading. All this will grow you in knowledge of the truth. And finally, for those of you who may not be a Christian, but you're here today, or you're watching this. I'd like to ask you to consider what you have heard. According to the Bible, those not in Christ are enemies of God. And you will spend eternity with the sons of disobedience in hell. This is a terrible place. 
And I sure wouldn't want anyone to go there. So let me plead with you, please. Take this time to consider these things. Consider, are you in the light or are you in darkness? Let me ask you today, if you know that you are darkness, turn to the Lord Jesus He will save you when you trust Him and repent of your sins. I want to invite you today to become light. Let us pray. Father God, as we come to you today, I pray, Lord, that you would open eyes to your truths. That, Lord, we would become a people that know you And study your word. That we would become a people of light in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.